Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the Kim Burns is a barbecuer. Tales from the pits. Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And we are on the road again. Right now we're on I-10 between San Antonio and Houston. Yeah, we're right about the Luling area. Had a fun little barbecue run today that we're nearing the end of. One more stop on our way back home that we'll get into here as we go along. Fun little run. Uh, we started the day off at Snow's, which is always a great barbecue breakfast to have. Uh, from there we went over to City Market in Luling, Texas. Then after you know some little, little more old school, we went to a little bit more new school. Went to a 2M Smokehouse in San Antonio. Always a great visit. Then uh, a stop that we've been wanting to, to try for a while is Davila's in Seguin. It's one of the old school sausage places. It's been around forever. They do uh, a high volume of sausage and it's one of the few places like that we hadn't been yet. So we wanted to get over to there, stopped in there, and now we are on our way to Dozier's Meat Market, which we'll again go into as we touch on today's topics. Yep. And so today's theme is our favorite things in barbecue, five things that we really like about what's happening in barbecue today. Yeah, since we cried a lot the last episode that we recorded together, <laughs> we uh, we thought we'd get, you know, spin it a little more positive because obviously we love this barbecue world we're in. We have fun with it. Yes, we have opinions and we're not afraid to share them most of the time, but at the end of the day, we spend countless hours and money doing this and we don't do it because we dislike it we do it because we have genuinely had a passion for it for a long long time we like barbecue like some people like bucky's or whataburger he says that because we're passing a bucky's right now well that's kind of true just about anywhere in texas if you're on the freeway yes or a sign saying there's a bucky's in 172 miles just so you're aware but yeah we got a, a myriad of topics here let's dive into the first one brian all right the first one is what's old is new again yeah, and that's kind of a thing that we've noticed the last couple of years. It's this shift where, I mean, obviously barbecue has its rooted traditions, whether that's re by region, by style. But, of course, the craft barbecue movement brought in a lot of modernization in terms of meat sourcing and all that fun stuff. And that's still prevalent in barbecue today. But we're starting to see kind of a throwback to a lot of old techniques, old cooking methods, uh, revisiting old proteins and it's it's kind of fun for us to see how these really creative people are putting up kind of a modern touch on classic preparations and classic proteins and you're seeing even you know talking about cooking methods like direct heat you know we're seeing more and more people buy direct heat pits we just saw uh, talking to Kerry Bexley today he just built one for somebody as well um, obviously Bradley Robinson um, Ronnie Killen just bought a BQ grill um, and so you're starting to see more and more of that come into play. Um, and that's, that's one cooking method and also some of the proteins as well. Um, we're starting to see a, a few more places, not a ton, but things like oxtails are coming back on some menus. Um, obviously, you've seen some more, more stuff coming, and, but we're hoping some other things, maybe lamb ribs that we saw, uh, you know, feed just at Steamship a couple years ago. Yeah, um, and even something as simple as sausage, which... As recently as five years ago, there was a lot of commercial sausage and, you know, people having sausage made by other purveyors. And, there, I mean, plenty of places still do that, and that's fine. 
But there are more and more barbecue joints that are making their sausage now than there have been in quite some time. And, of course, that's a drum that we've banged for a very long time, so it makes us thrilled to see. As we see, we had a really good sausage today that, uh, you know, 2M has made their own sausage from day one. But they're now, this year, they've started unveiling a monthly special sausage that they're going to feature for the entire month, and then they're going to move on to a new one. And this month's sausage was a Fontina cheese hot gut sausage. That was really good, too. Had the, and kind of a perfect example of what's old as new. I mean, it was, it was made in the style of a classic Texas hot gut, which is a, a spicy pork and beef blend sausage. Yeah, and just, you know, again, the, the addition of Fontina gave it a little bit of a, like a creaminess. It's a, kind of a creamy, good melty cheese. It, it was a really enjoyable link. And, and things like that, where you're, you're taking a very rooted classic thing and you're putting some modern touches on it, that's fun. And, I, and I'm sure, you know, not to speak for any pitmasters out there, but I'm sure that helps them kind of get more avenues of creativity is to take these, these traditions and find ways to make them a little, like refresh them a little bit while still being true to what it originally was. And, you know, something as simple as pickles, I mean, that it seems more often than not at, at the top barbecue joints, they're making their own pickles. And, again, that's a throwback to old old days when they when they had to make their own pickles. Right, yeah, as our, you know, our buddy Tom Weldon from Texas Pickle Company has said, the... Texas has long had a really good cottage industry law of where you can make and sell pickles at farmers markets, things like that. So there is a history of pickle making that's gone on in Texas. Now, that's not to say that these meat markets in the 50s were, were making their own pickles. They weren't. They were selling probably jarred pickles that were from the grocery store. But it's, again, it's a very familiar thing. If you've been eating barbecue for decades and decades, you're used to having pickles on it. But now they're done a little bit differently and with a little more care. And I don't, there's, I have no problem with that. And, and I mean, pickles before they were jarred were made in barrels and 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 pickled in whole barrels like wooden uh, whiskey barrels. So um, I'm waiting for that trend. Actually, you know, kosher kosher pickles in the in the whole barrels. That that would be fun. I would welcome that one too. Um, even something as simple as white bread that's come on every tray. Now it's not happening a lot yet, and nor do I expect it to happen a ton because it's a very labor-intensive process. But there are some joints that make their own bread. Micklewade is famous for making his own breads. He's done it for years. And now our, our, our buddies over at Goldie's who just opened uh, just south of Fort Worth, they're making their own bread as well, as and pickles. And, and you have to be a little crazy to do it, but, yes. um, but we definitely appreciate it. Um, and you know, to him today, you know, they're doing the Martin's potato bread. They're not making it, but it's Martin's potato bread, which is, uh, I don't know how old they are, but I'm sure it's a classic because oh, it tastes yeah. damn good. Yeah. Mar Martin's has been around, I, I want to say since the fifties, I could be way off on that. So if I am sorry, but Martin's is well known for years as, you know, be serving really quality bread and number of places use them. I know truth uses them, Lorraine Lewis. Um, and then as you said, to him uses their, their bread as well. So, yeah, you know, so another good example, you know, our, our buddy Jim Buchanan and Dozier's, how he's trying to take it and, and evolutionize, but not revolutionize what they're doing out there, balancing that, that historical barbecue joint with newer cooking styles. Right, yeah. For, for those that might not have heard, um, Jim Buchanan, who was, you know, owned and operating uh, Buck's Barbecue down in Galveston, um, the Galveston location didn't work out, and Jim got an opportunity to take over Dozier's, who, which is a, actually a barbecue joint with, with kind of a pretty cool history. They're a processing facility and a barbecue joint. Um, they made the original Texas Monthly Top 50 list in 1973. And so, so what he's doing is, is exactly what we're talking about. How do you bring that into the current times 
but without alienating this customer base that's been going there for 60 years. You know, you, you can't just all of a sudden overnight throw in, you know, this more common, this more popular rub that you're seeing today and overly fatty brisket and, and some of the sides that you're seeing. You can't just change that overnight. Yeah, and, and Jim has been very open about it. He, he's His goal is not to change Dozier's into some completely new craft barbecue hipster central place. He wants to honor the traditions and the history of the building and, and of the barbecue and the Dozier family while starting to modernize the processes a little bit, you know, the modern processes of cooking that help produce a, a better end product. And Jim's already starting to put a stamp on it, as was evidenced by the meal that we had there today. And even even the sides, it's, a, it's the same kind of care that he's taking into, you know, bringing the sides up to a standard that, that he wants. But again, not throwing a bunch of random colors into something just so that it pops on Instagram. He, he wants something that's going to going to work. And, and a, the perfect example, I think, that we both had that we, we enjoyed, you know, a mustard potato salad, but but it wasn't completely traditional, but it wasn't crazy new school. It was, it was just a, a really good mustard potato salad. Yeah, and just little touches like that. And, and again, figuring out a better way to cook this meat than, than it had been cooked for so many years. And Jim, of course, comes from, with that experience from having worked at Papa Charlie's for years and then owning Bucks. Jim's got a lot of experience of, of cooking brisket to the proper doneness and slicing it at the proper temperatures and holding it at the proper holding temperatures. Holding it. I mean, again, we're yeah. not going to beat a dead horse, but we've talked about that a lot. And that's one of the huge changes in in barbecue that's really improved the product was just how to hold the meat. It wasn't even, you know, obviously cooking and, and wrapping and a lot of that changed too and, and seasoning and trimming, but just holding the meat in a different process makes a huge difference in the end product. Yeah, so I'm really excited to see how Dozier's and Jim evolve together over the coming weeks and months and, and just seeing, you know, the how he starts to, to bring the menu up a little bit to a more modern touch while still carrying that history and again it's that what's old is new and what's new is old thing that we've been talking about you know he is taking old school barbecue and on and still staying true to it but while while finding ways to to bring it more to today's contemporary world of of smoked meat and things like that so really happy for jim um we had a really good meal there today and we know that's just the tip of the iceberg of what jim's going to be doing there uh, great stuff jim uh, keep it going and uh, two words pork steak pork steak all right, so um, next up is breaking away from the brisket bubble. Yes, and again, we love brisket. We've eaten more brisket than most humans have ever eaten. Or I, I'd hate to think of how many cows worth of brisket we've eaten. Now, there's only two briskets a cow, but I mean by total weight, we've probably eaten multiple cows. Oh, I don't, I have zero <laughs> doubt on that. I mean, it's, the amount of brisket that we've consumed is kind of disgusting we need little cow stickers we can slap on as we consume enough meat to eat a whole cow and you know like the football stickers with the buckeyes right and not to get ahead of ourselves but we're definitely going to go into this a little bit more in, in later topics but with brisket being so it's so readily accessible to get good brisket these days a lot of places have had to start to break out of that brisket bubble and start to explore different proteins different uh, different meats they can cook different specials because brisket, as we all know, is expensive, and as we also all know, is very, I won't say very easy, very readily available these days, more so than it ever has been. Good brisket, that is. Bad brisket's always been available and always will be. But good brisket is at, at, more available now than it has been in Texas history. 
and, and definitely even consumers are becoming more willing to make that leap when you have smoked meats and what, what constitutes a smoked meat, what constitutes barbecue. I mean, early on we saw, you know, pastrami is a good example where um, it's still brisket, uh, but it's not, it's not prepped in the same way. Obviously it's, it's brined with um, different seasonings and it comes out as a different item. Um, I, I think we're starting to see a little more acceptance and sausage is kind of a gateway uh, because people are a little bit easier to jump into something else with sausage. Um, you know, I don't think we're going to see, you know, I don't think we're going to see salmon roe, smoked salmon roe as an option, but um, we're definitely seeing things, I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, Harlem Road was smoked octopus. I mean, there's, there's a little bit of everything out there, but um, definitely I think people are looking for items that set themselves apart and the consumers are also willing to, to take into that adventure. Yeah, and that, that makes it fun for everybody. And again, it gives us something different to order. And if you're, if you're looking to set yourself apart in a crowded barbecue market, having something besides just the, you know, the few standard meats and sides really does help you do that. Now, if you're in a smaller town, you may not have to be that adventurous with your menu. You know, if you have a smaller crowd that doesn't, have, you're not competing with a dozen other craft barbecue joints that are within five miles of your restaurant. Then yeah, you may not have to have the you know eight different kinds of burn ends and four sausages and all that kind of stuff. You could probably serve a pretty basic menu and service your your local market, but it does help you stand out when you're in a big city and you're surrounded by a lot of barbecue joints. If you can showcase your talents in cooking things other than just brisket. Well, you know one one thing I'm starting to see on menus more often, and it actually ties right into our first topic, is is house made bacon. Um, I'm seeing that on more and more menus now, and I, I know Tejas is doing that, um, and they're also leveraging that for their burgers and, and their burger joint too. Yeah, and just and cross utilization of product also. You know, if you're able to package something into a taco or a creative sandwich, to where even if it is brisket, you're you're presenting it in a different way than just a sliced piece of brisket on a tray. It's a way to make sure that that product gets repurposed in in the best form, and gives the customer a different experience. A, a good example of that is. Uh, Patrick Fegis and, uh, and, and Aaron Smith of Fegis Barbecue, they do breakfast at their location every day, and they do breakfast tacos. They're also smoking salmon in-house for bagels and locks. Uh, they do a lot of really creative stuff there, but that's a great way to set yourself apart. I go to Fegis probably two, three times a month. I maybe get brisket there one out of every five visits because they have so many other things there that are really good. I get a whole hog sandwich. I'll get uh, the pulled pork, which, yes, there's a difference between whole hog and pulled pork. I'm not going to go down that road. But Fijis does both of those things as well as darn near anybody in this state. Um, but it's nice to be able to go to those places. And I know I don't have to get brisket there. I can get so many other things that really stand out and are signature to that specific barbecue joint. To your point about about sandwiches, I mean, John Brotherton and Brotherton's Black Iron Barbecue is a good example, example. Um, where he's got a, a lot of different sandwiches on the menu. And so you're still getting the barbecue experience, but you're not getting a three meat plate, as an example. Yeah. And then uh, you mentioned the pastrami earlier. Yes, I can go and I can get a Reuben at Regal's on Thursday. You can also get it on Monday, but please don't, because that's the day I go to get it. <laughs> yeah, so... Pro tip, top secret, is that Regal's is now doing pastrami Mondays. Yes, they, they are, and it's not nearly as crowded on Thursday, and I'm probably going to kick myself for saying that on this episode because that's the day I like to sneak in and get it. So there you go, people. Yeah. 
Also a bonus that they're open on Mondays. Oh, they're open on every days. Uh, Rago's, <laughs> Rago's only closes, like, they take one vacation a year and then, like, major holidays. Other than that, Russell and Misty are open all the time. Well, that is a really nice segue. We're really working on these segues, buddy. It only took three years. So that leads us into actually the the accessibility of great barbecues. So, you know, right now we're in such a great state, literally Texas and figuratively at this point in time in barbecue timeline, uh, where it's not just a lunch meal anymore. And it's not just a weekend. It's not just a Monday through Friday. You know, ironically, you know, you mentioned Fiji's only open Monday through Friday. Um, Ragels is open but seven not days. for long. Not for long, yes, and we'll talk about that in a moment, too. Um, but, you know, Ragels is open on Mondays. Um, they're open into the early evenings, but they do sell out. Um, but we have Killens that's open into the evenings, and we have Pinkerton's that's open into the evenings. Pit Room is a good evening barbecue joint. Gatlin's as Gatlin's. well. Yeah, we were just out talking to somebody on the road today about Gatlin's as well. All the way back to his memories when they were on, uh, was it 19th, uh, 19th or 20th? Street. 19th Street, yeah. yeah, at the house. And I remember those visits. Those were really special. Um, and uh, Papa's Delta Blues, which, uh, admittedly, I still have not yet been there, um, but they're serving what, what is what I've heard by many people is really good evening barbecue. Yes, and, and really expensive <laughs> evening barbecue, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, and, and that's just the Houston area. I mean, yeah. Dallas, Austin, they all have evening barbecue. Austin has Style Switch, which does great barbecue all the way through dinner service. Terry Black's, also dinner service. You've got... Um, uh, who am I leaving out in Dallas? Uh, Lockhart Smokehouse open in the evenings. Pecan Lodge, I believe, on the weekends open in the evenings. Himes open into the evenings. Hutchins. Hutchins is open into the evening. So there, there is great evening options for dinner barbecue now. And and, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this mic away and take a moment to get on my little soapbox, and not everybody's going to agree with this, and it's okay. But selling out is a choice. It's an option. It's not a must, and it's not required. You don't, if you want to have the freshest barbecue all the time, selling out is not the only way to do that. Um, and and as experienced by us and John Lewis and, and Lewis Barbecue, but in Austin as well, Terry Black's many places, you know, Style Switch, where we've gone at eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night and had barbecue that is genuinely just as good as lunchtime. Yeah, I'm. I won't forget. I think we were we were in Austin last year for. Uh, or I guess it was a year and a half ago at this point for uh, Houston Austin Throwdown, and that was our last stop of the night. We went to we went to Style Switch, had a pitcher of beer, and had to that date was the best brisket we'd ever had at Style Switch, and it was at eight thirty at night, and it was just it was damn good. And if and again, you have to have the right people in place to be able to do this. But the right processes right and processes. everything. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's not well, just it's not just cooking longer. I mean, there's there's a lot to do this, but you can do evening barbecue and have it be just as good as lunch barbecue. Yes. Now, of course, it, you know, things go along with that additional hours on staff. Yes, there are costs that go along with that. But if you're in a market to where dinner barbecue could be a, an extra revenue stream for you, then that might be something you'd want to explore. Now, of course, then that's something we've talked about a thousand times is knowing your market. But yes, if you have a market that has a nighttime younger crowd that's willing to go out and especially especially if you have a beer or liquor license for your restaurant if you have a if, if you're selling alcohol n- not many people i mean well to each their own but i would not think you're selling a ton of beer on a wednesday at 11:30 whereas on a thursday night at eight o'clock yeah you might sell a good amount of beer and there's a heck of a lot more profit in beer than there is in brisket 
and you can also run a bar menu and and you know get rid of some of your proteins that aren't selling and repurpose those into other dishes um, there's there's a great way to consume that that food and still be sold out by the end of the day right um, you know there's there's a lot of ways to do that in sandwiches to go back to sandwiches and nachos and there's all kinds of stuff that works really good and is really tasty um, yeah. and, and that Pinkerton's and pit room I think are great examples of that oh, yeah, yeah absolutely and and you know that that idea of dinner barbecue and being able to provide a different experience that's also another topic we'll hit on in just a minute I mean but that is um, you know it's a great time right now because traditionally Texas barbecue I mean we've always had some some large chains that serve into the evening you know you've always been able to get it but you haven't had very few of the of the you know what qualifies for the Texas monthly top 50 top 10 is there any top 10 that's serving evening barbecue right now I'm kind of going through the list I don't think there is um, no to my knowledge now let's go top 10 real quick let's see we've got Franklin Snow's Cadillac Bodacious Louis Miller Tejas though you can get the burger joint at night not the barbecue joint um, Corkscrew Micklewaite Evie Mays Truth no 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 and now Evie Mays does um, I think they're still doing the one evening service a month I believe I so. so. But it's not barbecue, it it's a specialty. Be, yeah. yeah, it may not be a monthly. I don't remember, honestly. But but if they are and when they are, you should definitely go there because the prime rib dinners and the, and the and the steaks that Arnis and crew are cooking up are just awesome. And again, that's a future topic we'll talk about, how you change an experience in the evening. Uh, but that's great. But, yeah, I mean, that's and that's the thing. Like So, you know, maybe on the next top 50 there's going to be a top 10 joint that serves dinner barbecue. I don't know. That's going to be tough, though. I, I, I'm going to predict that there will be at least one. I know the one you're thinking of, and we're not going to talk about it here. We are not. Um, we are not, because um, we will write down some predictions when that list comes out. That's a year away, so yes, yes. Um, so many things can happen in a year in Texas barbecue. Um, but, yeah, definitely, you know, it, it's so great that you can go get barbecue. You can get barbecue nearby. Um, you can get barbecue in the evenings. You can get barbecue on Sundays. You can get barbecue on Mondays. And, and, and truly, you know, top 50, truly legitimate, quality, good barbecue. That kind of leads into the, the accessibility of barbecue and being able to get it close by you. We're seeing an expansion, and, you know, there is a little bit of expansion early on, um, you know, especially I think Lockhart Smokehouse um, was one of the only ones I can really think of. Um, Southside opened up their Bastrop location. Right. The Cooper's family has opened multiple locations throughout the years with more coming. Um, but yes, for for a long time, I mean, there's such a romance about Texas barbecue, and we love it, and we play into it. But these are businesses, and these are people that are trying to provide for families. They're trying to pro help their employees provide for their families. So these opportunities to expand your brand and expand your business, you know, for some time, I think they were kind of looked at as a negative thing. Like, you should only own this one small place, and you should be stoking the fires well, every day. You can't day. replicate it anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's, honestly, it's a myth. If yes, you have to be willing to put in the time, the effort, and have the dedication to making sure that you have the processes in place and and the right people in place to help you, you know execute those processes. You can absolutely have really good barbecue in multiple locations, and multiple places are open now that have proven that. And you know, Lockhart Smokehouse and Heim were two of the earlier ones of the the new generation of barbecue joints. Um, but you know, recently. Um, Micklewaite, uh, you know, the Switch opened up their second location, and then uh, Micklewaite, Terry Blacks, and Truth are three of the ones that more recently have opened up. Yeah, and of course we've been to both Truths. Great experiences of both. The food is exactly the same. Of course, you know, Brenham, obviously smaller location and all of that from an atmosphere standpoint versus giant restaurant in the Heights. 
um, style switch and the switch of course have s different menus so they're not apples to apples comparisons but you can still get the staple barbecue items at both places you know Shane and Lance and that whole team have have made a, a great experience and a different experience at both places which is really kind of fun um, I uh, have not been to Terry Blacks in Dallas as of yet uh, but I can't see them opening it and not having the same processes in place and, and making sure that it is equally as good as what you can get in Austin. Another early one was Blacks opened up a satellite. Uh, Lockhart Blacks, the original Blacks is how it's branded, opened up a satellite. Um, uh, Kreitz and Bryan, which unfortunately didn't work out, but th that was an attempt at a second location. Um, but, you know, some places are harder to replicate than others. I mean, with, with Kreitz, you, it's hard to replicate, replicate brick pits what and, the Kreitz pit, is. and yeah, Lockhart I mean, yeah. and, and things like that. that. That's a little hard to replicate. Um, but you can have really good barbecue at multiple locations. And we have two upcoming that, yeah. that I think we're very excited about yes. in the Houston area. So um, Killens is opening up in the Woodlands, which makes it a lot closer to me. Um, they're opening up another location in the Heights. It's really going to be called, I think, just Killens itself. It's not, a, it's not a pure barbecue restaurant. They might be serving barbecue. But they're opening up a Killens barbecue in the Woodlands on Research Forest. Yep, uh, that's on the way. And then just announced just this week, uh, Fijis Barbecue, second location coming in the Spring Branch area. Um, looking to open hopefully in 2021 and understanding for, uh, what they're going to be doing is lunch and dinner. And and Patrick said right up off the bat, like you're not going to have ribs that are sitting in a warmer from 10 o'clock in the morning to 7 o'clock at night. They're going to be cooking things in shifts and making sure that you're getting fresh, hot, top you know top quality barbecue for lunch and for dinner and i mean obviously that's that's the best way to do it and if anyone knows that it's it's aaron and patrick who know how to run a business and know how to cook some really good food and it's one of the ones i'm i'm actually most excited about opening up um, especially for the dinner barbecue option um, where they're going to be located it's not the most convenient to me that's okay i live way outside of the town but the the ability to get there and go there for dinner and and be able to get there more often it, it excites me quite a bit actually yeah and it's it's in a really cool area that's kind of kind of up and coming in houston i mean spring branch area has been around forever but it, they've really started to revitalize that area there's a lot of new businesses that are moved in there a lot you know a lot of gentrification that's going on in that area and they, they just currently they don't have a huge wealth of independently owned restaurants but you're starting to see that wave coming in and and Fiji's barbecue is going to be part of that initial wave so yes definitely looking forward to that and for everyone that's wanted to get I, i'm in a fortunate position i'm close to Fiji's barbecue and i can get it you know on a work day a lot of people can't get there on a work day and they're not open on weekends so this is going to be a great opportunity for everyone that doesn't isn't able to get there as often as they'd like you're going to have more chances to get Fiji's barbecue which is of course a good thing and in san antonio pinkerton's is going to open up another location there as well so there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of this top-tier level barbecue that's starting to try to replicate. And, and as you mentioned, you know, not all of it may hit off, but the people that are putting the right efforts into it, the people that are putting um, the love and the pride that they have into both locations, I, I think it's going to turn out really, really well. And what we've seen is great. Right. Well, it's like everything else in barbecue. The ones that have the dedication and the passion to it, those are going to be the ones that you see stick, stick around, and the ones that don't probably won't. But it's not even just in Texas that you're seeing this. You're seeing this happen in other regions, other styles of barbecue. Uh, Sam Jones, Michael Letchworth, who opened Sam Jones Barbecue in uh, in Winterville, North Carolina, a few years back. Um, of course, Sam comes from the Skylight Inn lineage of the Jones family. Um, opened his own place 
few years ago and now is in the works. It's, I mean, the smokehouse is being built as we speak, uh, opening uh, Sam Jones Barbecue in Raleigh, North Carolina. So that's going to be another opportunity to get the famous skin-chopped hog that the Jones family has been known for for generations. And speaking of Raleigh, and that's becoming a hotbed, there's another barbecue joint opening up in Raleigh. Picnic, which is a whole hog joint in Durham that's opening a sister location. It's not going to have the same name, but a sister location that's going to be opening in Raleigh also. Uh, Raleigh does have a real big influx of barbecue coming. Um, you're also seeing Rodney Scott is expanding. Rodney Scott started, you know, obviously, Scott's Barbecue in Hemingway, small, uh, South Carolina, small small town. Then moved on to Charleston and opened Rodney Scott's Barbecue, won a James Beard Award famously there. Um, then opened up a Birmingham, Alabama location, and now there's an Atlanta location on the horizon for Rodney Scott. So that's going to be even more barbecue expansion coming, again, not just not just from Texas, but from all over. Absolutely, and, and we're hoping for a, a quick return of Brian Furman and Bees Cracklin out there. Um, and as well, there's Fox Brothers. Yeah, Fox Brothers, uh, who has built just an amazing operation, uh, starting with their original restaurant on DeKalb Avenue in uh, Atlanta, and now they've got a second location on the way in this really new, really cool-looking uh, shopping development, you know, shopping, retail, dining, everything development. And they're, uh, they're going to be opening a, a huge second location uh, I, thought, I want to say it's a year out, could be more than that, but uh, be on the lookout for that if you're in the Atlanta area, as Fox Brothers are one of some of our favorite people in barbecue, and, and they run a really, really good restaurant. Absolutely. Now, a little bit farther north in Atlanta, just a touch, just a touch. Adamson, place that we've really been trying to get our, our way out to, but um, we're working our way up there, we promise, but Adamson Barbecue up in Toronto. Yeah, open their second location, so Toronto has cherry street barbecue they got multiple locations at adamson you know congrats toronto you've got more good texas barbecue than some cities in texas do at this point that's pretty damn cool we've made that joke about texas and some cities but we won't name that city will we <laughs> no we won't no. okay um anyway um and it's hey by the way it's not dfw anymore and, oh heck no and, I mean, dfw is just absolutely blown up um another thing though in barbecue and this is our our last of our five great things that are happening in barbecue right now is, is really the transformation of barbecue as it's gone again from this blue collar, low key, very inexpensive, lunch only, um, you know, back of the meat market meal, not even really a meal at the time. It was more of a, uh, you know, you grab stuff off the shelf, but now it's becoming a, a full dining experience and, and a true competitor to other dining experiences. Right, I and mean, we've said it before, when Brian and I first started doing barbecue road trips together six years ago now, when we first started hitting the road and trying to hit multiple stops, it was so easy for us to do because most of the time sides were kind of just there, um, the, you know, the basic staple stuff and a lot of times it might even be canned or store-bought stuff or Cisco brand, you know, and so it was easy. We would get a little bite of this, a little bite of that and, that, and we'd go on our day and we can go hit eight stops in a day and not get full because we were eating like... 20 bites of food out of off of those eight stops nowadays we've literally split one rib between three people we, and that's a pork rib <laughs> yes yes we have and you know, we've, we've split one slice of brisket between three people and, and that allowed us to try a lot of different places but nowadays nowadays we've just gotten fatter yes we have and and we cannot hit the stops that we hit before especially craft barbecue and that's part of the reason like the the barbecue run we made today we kind of did a mix and match of old school new school because we knew we couldn't go to five new school places in a day because 
you go to one of them and you're going to want to try two or three of the sides, two or three of the meats, a dessert, and by the end of it, you're, you barely want to walk out of that first place. Desserts are definitely not an afterthought anymore. I mean, you think about how many places now are doing, you know, quality, quality custom desserts. And, 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 you know, to give credit, I'm sure Lambert's did this a lot of this early on. With, they definitely did with the dining experience. Um, Micklewaite, one of our favorites, one of the very first um, that we believe in the, very, in the craft barbecue. Um, just last weekend, I stopped in at Helberg. And Yvette is doing some mini pies that are great mini pies. Um, in um, Belton, you've got Miller's Smokehouse yep. um, that's been doing that They've for quite some time. They've got a bakery yeah. operation. It's uh, insane. Evie Mays, which, by the way, they're all gluten-free. Uh, but Evie Mays desserts are, have always been one of our favorites. Yep, and, and a myriad of sides there as well. One place that's famous for their cake, I just can't remember who that is, rhymes with Booth. <laughs> but, uh, but no, Truth is obviously uh, with their cakes. Um, and we're just seeing that more and more. So it's 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 it started kind of with the pickles and some people with a few desserts, and and it's now the sides are just really getting elevated as well, um, to where you're getting a full-on quality high-end dining experience. Uh, unfortunately, there's a price that comes with that, and that's that's understandable. But I was talking with Andrew. I went to a a, a fine dining steakhouse last night, and my experience there wasn't even on par with some of the the full barbecue experiences I've had yeah it's it's great honestly that you can go to a barbecue joint now and you can have a fantastic restaurant quality meal start to finish a lot of these places are even doing craft beer or in some cases even craft cocktails where you can get a full quality meal start to finish sides meats desserts sandwiches whatever you want and it is just it is the same as going to a restaurant and that's part of the reason why you've seen barbecue joints start to get nationally recognized. And, and whereas you didn't see that as, soon, as recently as five, ten years ago, but you've had multiple barbecue joints win James Beard Awards now. You've had you know Bon Appetit, national magazines, national shows really paying attention to barbecue. And yes, obviously the you know live fire makes for good TV and all that stuff too. But it's because they're being respected on the same level that fine dining chefs are and I think for good reason the amount of effort and work and care that goes into creating what we're all enjoying at these barbecue joints is is up there with any steakhouse or great seafood place or hipster dining experience you want to have and and you know I'm, I'm very excited again about about Fijis both Patrick and Aaron and what they may be able to do in dinner I mean the the idea of having your you know your food served on fine china with you know, and maybe not fine china, okay, whatever, but not on paper plates and not on butcher paper, um, but with desserts that equal some of the best and, and with sides that equal some of the best. And I think we're in for some really great dining experiences in the evenings. Yeah, I, I think it's only going to keep growing as the barbecue world continues to evolve. And didn't want to end this episode without mentioning, because we did touch on James Beard Awards, one of our favorite experiences in barbecue um, when I saw this news come across, I was just so thrilled. It, it really was, it's really cool to see. Uh, we saw a number of years ago, prior to Bobby Miller passing, we saw Louis Miller got recognized as, James Beard has an, what they call an American Classics Award, which is given out to a few restaurants a year um, that have, have, I mean, it's in the name. They've become kind of a classic standard of whatever their particular cuisine is or in their particular region of the country. Um, 
another one that it's kind of famous, Dookie Chase, which is fried chicken and, and southern food, Cajun food in New Orleans, was recognized a few years back. But it, up until now, Louis Miller had been the only Texas barbecue place that had received that award. And news came down recently that uh, Vera's Backyard Barbecue in Brownsville, Texas, uh, is going to be receiving an American Classics Award this year. And, and if you've listened, you might have heard us talk about Mondo and, and Vera's um, a couple of times on the show. One of our very, very early episodes, we actually did get a sound bite from him when we were sitting back and he took us through a pit room tour of what is a pit. It's a, it's a hole in the ground. It's the way that it was traditionally cooked. And uh, it is the only restaurant that we know of in the United States legally um, cooking meat in an, in an earthen pit. It's lined with bricks. Um, I think he said every, uh, was it six years or something? It was every some number of years they have to reline it with bricks. But for all intents and purposes, it's, it's, it's a hole in the ground that the meat is cooked in. Yeah, and it's just, it's a great experience. It's right on the border of Texas and Mexico. Um, it's still a very cheap meal, and it's very no frills, but done so well. And it's such a piece of history that it's the last it's the last of its kind and it's really awesome that it's getting this national recognition now um, and and do have to give Daniel Vaughn credit he is the first person that really opened my eyes to Vera's uh, and what Vera's was and was still doing um, but here we are 1955 they started and you know 20 the year 2020 owned by the same family um, they are getting nationally recognized for for their standard of barbecue that they've created down there in South Texas and just not to give anybody the, the wrong impressions, I mean, it, it's very different than Louis Miller. It's very different than um, what's currently hot in Texas barbecue. When you go there, have an open mind and go there for what they're famous for, you know, don't order a three meat plate there. That's not what they specialize in the most. Um, if you go in there and, you know, for us, obviously, barbacoa and the carnitas were the ones, um, the, the tortillas, which were like a dollar thirty-five a dozen or something, um, which they had bring in from somewhere else, but they were really good. Um, but their prices were really cheap. The food was really good. It's a very simple place. You know, it's, it's the exact opposite of what we were just touching on with fine dining, but that's perfectly acceptable because right. we love for, for what it is. And that, to, to me, that's still the beauty in barbecue and still why we love this and chase it the way, the way we do. It's because we do. We love getting those super modern experiences and, and the full meal, but we also love that we can still go to Smitty's and walk into that building and experience the same feeling of history that has been there since the early 1900s. Same thing with Vera's, it's the same experience. Same thing with Louis Miller. You know, Louis Miller has, you know, they have modernized some processes there, but when you walk through those screen doors and you walk into that original smokehouse, it's still that same feeling every time you go. And there's, you will never replicate that. It's there in that specific place and, and that's where it will stay for as long it's, as they're still open. So there you have it. We love both the old and the new, I guess, is the kind of way to wrap all that up because that's basically what we've said. There's there's so much new stuff going on that's exciting, but um, absolutely, as you mentioned, we love to go check out those old school places as well and and, and definitely just kind of experience that, that whole effect of walking into those buildings. You know, Again, today we walked into to City Market in Luling and it's that same thing and Duvalas, which was open since 1959, and those are those fun experiences. And then we had the quality of food that we had at, at 2M and Snows. So great, perfect day to wrap things up. Great way to build your trips is a little of the old and a little of the new. Yeah, yeah. mix in a little bit of both. It it's really makes for a fun breakup of the day. Um, and then, you know, won't go through the whole thing again, but South Texas, if you're going down that way, if you do want to make that Vera's pilgrimage, you can do that same thing there. 
you can go to a place like Butters or Teddy's and get you know a more of a new school modern style of barbecue and then you can go to Vera's and get that throwback and so it's a really great mix we highly recommend it one of one of the best trips that we made last year we're looking forward to making it again hopefully for too long but uh get out there and keep eating some barbecue guys we're coming up on spring. I actually saw some blue bonnets as we drove by. So this is one of our favorite times in Texas. It's you know, weather's starting to turn nice. Never really got bad, but weather's starting to turn nice. And uh, it's road trip time, folks.